Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we prepare to look into your word to get a better understanding, we ask that the things that are declared will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that we will grow thereby. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are into our final episode of the series entitled Same God. And we have had a pretty fun journey of going through and getting an understanding of God's intentionality towards operating in unity. In this third episode, we see that God has set us up in order for us to operate as one body. And in that operation that everyone has their part in that operation. And as we get ready to go through this, I just want us to realize that no part is bigger than another. If you have not listened to um, last week's second episode, you'll, you'll hear my discourse regarding that. Um, but I want us to understand that the fact is that God has brought us all together into this community, into this body, so that we can grow one another and help one another to become all that God has called for us to be. Which makes me reflect back on episode number one. Episode number one, we talked about the foundation of unity. What is the foundation of us being unified? Then the next week, which was last week, we talked about the found, I mean the function of unity. What is okay, we have this foundation of what unity is founded on. Now how does it function? And so this week, our last episode, I want to look at the fulfillment of unity. When unity is functioning, what does it do? And so our definitions for this week is, first of all, unity, which is the oneness of sentiment, affection, or behavior. Unity is the oneness of sentiment, affection, or behavior. Our second definition is fulfillment. Fulfillment is execution or performance. Fulfillment is execution or performance. We're going to be, again, starting off in Psalms 133, and then we'll be ending in Ephesians 4, starting at the 17th verse. This is all in the English Standard Version. Psalms 133, verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell, to dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life evermore, forevermore. Ephesians 4, starting at 17, oh, we're going to go all the way to the end. 
It says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you will no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good to, for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts in Jesus' name. And so we did, we read all that to set up this closing because we talked about the foundation of unity. We talked about how unity functions. And now we are to how do we fulfill this process that we are talking about? We hear everybody talking about unity, but we don't hear about the applicable ways or the pragmatic way in which to become unified. And so because of this, there have become a lot of people that have become disenfranchised with the unification of the believers. Because they say unity means that we should all be focused on the same thing. Or unity means that we should all be speaking the same way. Or unity means whatever reason that they decided that they don't want to follow this unity movement. So they want to go start their own unity movement. Now, if unity means having the same sentiment... That means that we should all be together. So how can we have a whole bunch of different unity movements and none of them want to be unified? That's just a question ran through my mind. I'm quite sure you probably asked yourself the same question. Same thing that we have with denominationalism. Okay, I feel my soapbox coming underneath my feet. Just same thing that we have with uh, denominationalism where we... Look at the reason why we don't want to do something. And so we believe that we'll go start our own way of doing things instead of seeing how we can synchronize with other 
denominations and remove the denominational labels so that we can become unified in purpose, unified in scripture. The scriptures say that we should come together in order to reflect the kingdom of heaven. That's what the scriptures are saying, that we are one body with many members. But we've decided that we are many members with nobody. And so we'll go put our members all, so all the hands are in one location, all the feet are in one location, all the eyes are in one location, and we're wondering why we're having the problems in the church today. Because you got one part that is only working because that's all hands know how to do is work. We have one part that can only see because that is all the eyes can do is see. But when you put it all together, it causes a, uh, an ability to be, do, and know everything that is needed in that area in which you're working. You don't have to agree. I just, I'm just going. I'm like I said. I was just getting on my soapbox, and I just had to go ahead and say that because sometimes we can be saying the same thing, and just because I rather say either instead of either, you don't want to be around me. You see, we 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 pick the little small things to find divisional things instead of looking at things that can bring us unity. The one thing that we should all be unified on is that Jesus died, that Jesus rose, uh, he was buried, and he rose, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. All, that, all the other things should be minor points. Can we all just agree on Jesus. And we can agree on Jesus, but then some folks say, no, it can't just agree on Jesus because we got to add all this other stuff. Well, you go back to, to your seminary and you just stay over there while we try to get unified over here. Okay, I'm moving my soapbox. It's out the way, I believe. All right, let me get into my notes. Help me, Lord. Thank you, baby. And so we're looking at this last portion of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and we've heard how Jesus, God is the foundation. Everything is, is established on God. Then we went to the function, and the, the function is that there's offices that are positioned, but the whole purpose of those offices are to help us to mature into who God has called us to be. And now we're into what is the fulfillment of that? Now, I'm going to jump ahead and then go back and maybe jump back to it again. But if you want to know what the fulfillment of this unity is, go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Go to the very last verse of that fourth chapter. The whole fulfillment of this uh, unity process is be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the whole fulfillment of it. That will cause unity to manifest. That will show people that you are unified. When somebody says this, this about this person and you're saying, you know, I'll go talk to that person and we talk and we come into agreement about how that works and how we can go forward and walk in the power of God's spirit. Because just like God in Christ forgave us, we can do that for one another. Man, I'm telling you, it will cause a newness to manifest in the lives of people. 
there's a saying that the Christian community is the only community that buries its, its wounded. When somebody goes through a situation or through some pain, the Christian community is the only one that ostracizes them and pretty much cuts them off from the life-giving word of interaction with the rest of the body. When you get an injury to your body, your whole body is affected because your whole body comes over to assist you in repairing whatever that damage is. And so if we understand how the body operates, then when somebody is hurt and injured, that means us that are responsible, if you read Galatians 6 and 1, you'll hear what I'm saying, you will, be, you will go over and become the white blood cells because the white blood cells are responsible for the destroying of any uh, alien uh, matter that is in the wound and also to cause the white blood cells to, uh, uh, I mean the red blood cells to come and bring about healing. But if the white blood cells don't show up, then it allows the degradation of that area. And then we get a thing that is called gangrene. And when you have gangrene, they have to actually amputate that area of your body because it is causing adverse effect to the rest of the body. And the reason they amputate is because they don't want the infection to spread throughout the body. Well, today in a lot of the Christian circles, as soon as they see an, a, a, a scrape on your arm or your leg, they take you straight to the amputation part and cut off the whole arm instead of putting some antiseptic on it and putting a Band-Aid on it. And then they wonder why they can't, they're not as effective as they were before. Well, you just degraded your body. Okay, soapbox is off to the side again. All right, so we, 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 we can see that Paul's desire in this is that all these young uh, Ephesian churches, he wants them to grow into maturity so that every wind and doctrine that comes toward them will not overtake them, will not overshadow them, that they will be mature in the word and operate in a mindset of maturity. If you remember when our, our first our first start of our Ephesian scripture, he said, don't be like the Gentiles. And he's not talking about a people per se. He's talking about a mindset. Do not have the Gentile mindset and just be whatever, whatever. You, you, because you're in Christ, you have a focused way of living the kingdom life. And so even though they had all these pagan folks around them, they had a direction to go. And if they did it together, they covered one another, they could go through there safely without all the attacks and everything pulling them down or pulling them aside because they were in it together. And so this takes this causes us to walk in this newness of life because of our mindset. And so when we're walking in this mindset of being forgiving, being tenderhearted, uh, being forgiving and, and, and walking in this, 
Because we have this foundation, we have this function, and now we're fulfilling it in our actions, it will cause others to want to have what we have. People don't want to have what looks like what they already got. Folks want to have something that looks new, it looks better, and it looks like it meets their need at the time. In the beginning, the early church, it was not the size of the building that they were operating out of because they were actually not operating out of buildings. They were operating out of houses. But what caused the church to grow was the people that they interacted with. They operated in such a unity that people wanted to be a part of what they had going on. Where else have you heard of something that was started by 12 individuals that were not theologically trained, but they went all throughout the earth and caused a revolution that no one has or no one has will ever see again. How is that possible? Because they operated in the unity of the Spirit of God. How could the one that we, we address as doubting Thomas in a bad way, he goes to India and turns India upside down, which even causes it to go over into China. And, and folks are not, can't even believe that there were Christians in China, but yes, there were. And so we have to realize that the power of unity is so strong that when it gets fulfilled, it causes things around us to change. It causes things around us to change. And so when we look at our, 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 our uh, scriptures for today, my note says the underlying assumption of Ephesians 17 through 32 is that the audience has already learned Christ and so learned a particular way of living that is Christ-like. And will readily assent to what Paul is saying here as a familiar and already embraced code of conduct. Now some of the things introduced in this section, talking about the darkness, talking about the impurity, the greed, the error, and the righteousness, will recur later in this discourse. Perhaps more importantly, what we have throughout this section is a reworking of earlier material that not only comes from the Pauline corpus, Romans or Colossians, but also from the Old Testament. See, that it, Paul is bringing how the word of God is long, uh, is everlasting, is eternal. The things from the Old Testament tie into the New Testament. And if y'all remember, they didn't even have a New Testament then because it was, it was being written as they were trying to live it. So an audience that was familiar with any of these things that Paul covered had an understanding so that they could go forth and operate in the power of being in unity. I got a quick question. Have you, have you ever worked a job and them individuals in management decided to change the operating procedures? And you sat up there and they give you this new way to do business, and you looking at that like, who thought of this nonsense? <laughs> they must not have done what I, what? And you start reading it, and you say, okay, let me go ahead and start doing it. This don't look right, but I'm going to go ahead and start working it. And you start working it, and as you start working it, you realize 
it is more efficient than what you were doing before. It, 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 it operates in a, a greater ability. It enables your job to become easier. It, it works some things out for you that you all, you just did it because that was the way it was done. But now it has become more efficient for you to operate. But the one thing that it does, it recalls, it makes us have to rewire our way of thinking. And by rewiring our way of thinking, we become open to making this happen the way that it has been written. Well, Paul also wrote about this. I believe it's in Romans, the 12th chapter, starting at the first verse, he starts talking about how we have to start reworking our mind. When this new thing is presented to us, we have to adjust it and look at how this new is supposed to be working in our lives. Paul sold, he says, listen, I, I, I just want you to know that, that, that you, when you, you present your body as this living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable before God, uh, this is how you provide spiritual worship to God. And then in the second verse, it goes on to say, it says, and, and, and don't do it the way the world does it, does it, does it, but be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing. That means changing. That means adjusting. It means uh, going in and maybe cleaning out. You know, we're getting close to spring, and every year you hear about folks saying, I need to do a spring cleaning. That means they had to go through and remove the things that were winter focused and place them in a location and bring out the things that are spring focused as they get ready for the summer. There's some changes, some adjustments that have to be made. And, and so we have to do this in order for us as Christians to operate. We have to look at how the world does things and say, you know what? That's not how the word says it. Let me get in conformation with the word so that I'm about that. I'm focused on the foundation of unity, which is the word, the function of unity, which is me operating in that and maturing in the word of God so that I can be the fulfillment of unity, which is to be kind to one another another, tenderhearted, uh, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave me. You see how this all works together, but there's a, a change in your mind that has to occur. There's a renewing of your mind, a, a, a renovation of your mind. It has to begin in your head, specifically in your mind. Because if we do not change our words, we will not change our actions. If we do not change our actions, we will not change our behavior. If we do not change our behavior, we will not change our character. So we have to start at our, our how am I changing my words? I'm going to change my words by changing how I think and how do I think I have to pull it from the word of God because I have to renew my mind so that I cannot be conformed to this world, but I can be transformed because my mind has been renewed. You were taking notes, that was Romans 12, 1 through 3. So I just want to, I think I'm going to stop with this. So, if you have gone through uh, a weight loss program. One of the things that 
when you're dealing with a fad weight loss program that people, that they don't tell a lot of people, they'll, you'll lose, let's say you lost 20 pounds on this program, but you didn't change your mind. You didn't rework your mind. You had this time period, 90 days to do this program. You lost them 20 pounds. You celebrating, but if you didn't change your mind, the next 90 days, you do what they call is a, a rebound, where you gain up to the amount of weight you lost, and a lot of people create a momentum and actually gain more weight. So they say that fad didn't work. No, the fad worked, but because you didn't change your mind, then you resorted back to your pre-diet uh, days or pre-fab uh, 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 lifestyle days, and now you're back into the state that you're in. It's the same thing in living this life for the kingdom. If you don't change your mindset about how you do things, for a time period, you can hold up the facade. You can go through the process, and you can appear to have the change. But over time, we realize that we will resort back to what was most comfortable for us. And that's why Paul says that we do not be conformed to this world, but you have to be renewed, uh, transformed by the renewing of your mind. I just heard somebody ask me, well, how do you renew your mind? The Bible tells us like this. It says we renew our mind by spending time in the presence of God. How do you spend time in the presence of God? You read your word. You pray. And my favorite one is that you just sit silently before the Lord. Now, in this generation, being quiet for 10 minutes is like an eternity. And I mean just no music playing, sitting in silence. And dealing with the thoughts that are running through your head and making them thoughts go sit in the corner and be quiet so you can hear the voice of God. It's not an easy thing. It used to be one of the main spiritual disciplines was the discipline of being silent before the Lord. But with all the things that we have today, it seems to have fallen off. But I'm telling you, if you can uh, take, have spent time reading your word, take time to stand, uh, sit before Walk before the Lord in prayer, but most of all, take that time to be silent before the Lord. It will change everything about you. Because once you can discipline your thoughts, because you can't stop them, but once you can discipline them and tell them to either keep going or go sit in the corner and I'll deal with you later, you're going to have things that you're going to have to work through. But that's part of the renewing process. We don't want you to be on the yo-yo of to lose the 20 pounds and gain 25. Then you lose 20 and then we don't we, we want you to be consistent about your weight loss. We want you to be consistent about your spiritual maturity. We want you to be consistent so that it becomes a habit for your life. With that being said, I want us to Realize that it is not something that just happens for us. 
It is something that happens to us as we pursue the kingdom method of living. And so I want to encourage you to pursue it with your whole being. Now, this is the last point. In order to pursue it, you have to do it with other like-minded believers. This is not a solo thing. The discipline is solo, but the maturity process comes from you being around other believers and you being able to talk to them about your journey and them, they encouraging you to continue on their journey. Just like we have our uh, uh, intentional, instantaneous outreach, whereby somebody just says something to you to encourage you. We want to encourage one another to good works so that we are all operating in the kingdom mentality. All right? Amen. Well, with that being said, I just want to close with this. If you know that you need to renew your mind, the key for you to renew your mind is this. You have to have a relationship with Jesus. There's no other way around it. Because we have to be connected to the Father. And in order for us to be connected to the Father, the Bible says that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so you can try all these different methods and everything, but it will never give you the true peace that you desire. There is actually built into every person, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, there is actually a section in your heart for God. Because God created you. And when he created you, he put this little section in your heart because he wants to be reconnected, reacquainted with you. Now, in order to get that area filled in your life, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it's not a complicated thing. The Bible says like this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved means to be rescued, to be delivered, to be removed from. And what is this that you're being saved, delivered, and removed from? The penalty of sin. And the penalty of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. And that's not what we want. We want you to be in God's presence. And the Bible also says that for with the heart one believes and is saved. I mean, is justified. And with the mouth... Confession is made unto salvation. And then the Bible even goes on to say that for everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It is such a desire for God to have a relationship with you. In order for you to get the benefits of what God has for you, you have to have this relationship with him. In order to have the relationship with him, you have to accept the gift that he's given you, which is his son, Jesus Paying the price of the penalty of sin. Now, we don't want you to feel, the, feel like you're doing this all by yourself. The decision is a decision that you have to make, but we want to come alongside you. I say it just like this. This is not an individual sport. This is a team event. We come alongside you. We unify with you to assist you along this journey because it's very important that you have a community assisting you to mature, to become all that God wants you to become. Now, if that is your situation, this is what I want you to do.
I want you to either email us at info at godshousecc.com or you can text us at 864-920-0100. Let us know that you made that decision today. We will come alongside you. I don't care where in the world you are. We will come alongside you. We will assist you along this journey to help you become a part of the unified body of Christ to become that kingdom citizen that God desires for you to be. Let us know. We will come alongside you and assist you. All right. Well, friends and family, that is the end of episode number three of our series, Same God. And I want you to know that this is something that I believe if the church grabs hold of it, it will make us one of the most powerful elements on the earth. Because when you have God for you, who can be against you? And when you're walking in a power of unity according to his kingdom precepts, what can stop you? If you're walking in the power of his unity. Next week starts will be the first Sunday of Lent. So we're going to start this whole series up until Easter. Come along. Be a part of it. We would enjoy to have you either on Facebook Live or at 942 Fairview Road in Simpsonville, South Carolina, the greatest state in the union. Uh, we just want you to understand that and know that we love you and we would appreciate you becoming a part of God's House Christian Church. Let us know. We will come alongside you and assist you. Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name.